I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. by dispatch today i'm Brittany, and joining me today as always is my friend emily lynn hi emily hi Brittany. how are you i'm doing pretty okay how are you doing i'm doing good i just got home from work so i'm happy to be back in bed how's your week been Oh, uh, it was okay. I went to New York Comic Con. Yeah. It was fun. Got some cool That's got good. some cool announcements for once. Um, which we normally don't get at New York Comic Con. We can talk about that a little bit later. But uh, it was a good time. Met up with a bunch of people. Um oh I saw Billy D. Williams panel. Oh, how was that? Um not gonna lie. A little bit awkward. That's how I felt about the Jonas Brothers concert I went to last night. But how was it awkward? Well, he's an 82-year-old guy doing what... I mean, most of the panel was, like, audience Q&A. And there were there was a couple of times where he didn't... I don't know if he didn't quite hear the question correctly. Or just didn't quite connect with him. But there were definitely some awkward moments. I mean, he's still Billy Dee Williams. And he's so awesome. And he told some some cool little stories and stuff. But overall, it was a little little bit weird. Hmm. That's too bad. Do you think that... Not that he was forced to do it, but do you think that, you know, like maybe it could have been like better questions or just more? I mean, I'd say in terms of audience questions, I've definitely seen worse Q&A. But, you know, he's he's 82. He's done, I'm assuming, a million of these at this point. And it was just, I don't know, it was a little bit weird. Hmm. That's too bad. It was cool to see him, though. And it was cool to see how much love he got in that room. Oh. 
that's good. I mean, it sucks that it was kind of an awkward panel, but it's nice knowing how much people love and appreciate him and that are willing to, you know, see him. Yeah, it was a good time. Did you go to any other panels? Um, I went to the Star Wars uh, publishing panel that was sort of looking at their upcoming stuff. And then I also went to a really good panel, one of the best panels I've been to, which was Vincent D'Onofrio talking to Rick Baker, who is a like legendary makeup artist and creature designer. Uh, he did, he did American Werewolf in London. He did uh, Men in Black, just tons and tons of shit. And he and D'Onofrio are are really good friends from the movies they've done together. And so that was that was just a cool panel. Apparently, Rick has a, a book coming out, but he had some awesome stories, and it's just a super cool dude. So fucking cool. You know, like old guy with a silver ponytail and just really funny, really smart. That's cool. That seems really interesting. Yeah, it, it was. Um, I'm going to, I mean, the books, it's one of those like big, like two volume, like coffee table books. So I doubt it's in my price range, but I do want to see if I can at least find a copy <laughs> just to page through at a bookstore somewhere because he's done some amazing designs. Uh, how was the other panel that you went to? Um, that was the the Star Wars one. It was good. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more when we're doing new stuff. But the cool thing was we actually got some announcements, which we normally don't get at New York Comic Con. Um, I was talking to, to Tom from Del Rey a bit at their booth because I had stopped by just to say hi. And he said, you know, just normally, normally the timing works more for announcements at San Diego, but their publishing slate this year, it just happened to, to hit where the big announcements were, were here in New York. Hmm. That's cool. So how was, that's, that's nice that you guys are. No, go ahead. No, I just, uh, that's nice that you guys are actually getting announcements. I didn't really think that New York Comic Con was a place to get, like, actual announcements. So. Not generally, not generally big stuff, especially not for, for Star Wars, but a lot of cool stuff. Um, so, so how was your week? How was your vacation in San Francisco? Vacation was good. Starting off, uh. I took the train to Anaheim to go to Disneyland, and everyone on the train was really nice. I ended up with, like, uh, a lot of wine because the train was giving out, like, complimentary drinks. So, like, the people just kept, like, handing me wine, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to Disneyland. And they're like, great, here's more wine. So that made the day fun. A little forgetful, but fun. Um... I went to Galaxy's Edge at night. That was nice. Okay. I hung out with Chewbacca. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Is it is it cool looking at night? Is it better than during the day? I think so. Did it have a little bit more of like Disney magic this time? 
it did a little bit. The cast was a little more immersive. It definitely felt less pressure and less like stress because of course when you're, you know, way back when when they had the whole you're only here for four hours, you're like shit. It's like you're trapped. And like I didn't feel trapped. Like I felt, okay, this is a new place. I'm gonna go walk around. And everyone was really cool. Like I ran in, into Chewbacca and he made me follow him to where to buy the uh, little vandaliers. Okay. And that was cute. Uh, I went on Smuggler's Run. Didn't have to wait in line at all because I went through the single rider's line and I literally walked on. So that was nice. Um, I still think that the Falcon ride is just too much. Like any person could can go on it and just people don't understand what to do like they don't tell you okay like sure like hondo tells you okay you're gonna fly the falcon but like you're just pressing buttons the whole time okay and uh, i don't know like it's cool like i like the whole mission thing where it's like i'm doing something and it's helping the galaxy and i'm gonna get all these points which don't matter at all (sighs) But, yeah, it was, it was cool. Then San Francisco was really cool, too. Um, we didn't really do much, which was really nice. Walked around the bay. Uh, we walked to Lucasfilm and hung out there for a bit, and that was really nice. The first time I went to Lucasfilm a couple years ago, it was, like, on a Saturday or a Sunday, so it was closed. So I actually got to go inside and look at, you know, all the different sculptures they had and everything and all the different books. They have a lot of the um, Legends books in there, which was really funny. Okay, cool. And it was awesome because I was taking a picture or something, and I heard the door open, and I turn around, and it's it's just Pablo Hidalgo showing up to work. (laughs) And and you left him alone because you were a polite person? Yeah, like someone asked me about that like or a couple people they're like did you did you say hi to them and I'm like no like he's at work like I don't want to bother someone at work like I can't imagine like me walking into work and then like someone I don't know walking up to me being like hey Brittany I'm a big fan do you want to take a selfie it's like I'm at work you you know I just want to get into my office and leave me alone yeah, and, you know, he had his headphones on. He was looking down at his phone, and I didn't want to give him, like, too much eye contact because I didn't want to make him feel awkward. So I just turned okay. right back around, and I'm like, okay, Pablo's... I told Carlos, I'm like, that's Pablo Hidalgo. And, of course, Carlos didn't know who he was. So he's just standing there, and he's just like, Pablo, Pablo. And I'm like, stop. But, <laughs> yeah. So that was nice. Um... What else did we do? We went to Alcatraz. That was nice. It was cool at night because you're walking around there and you literally feel like you're in prison. It was probably slightly different. Yeah. Slightly. But no, it was good. Food was good. Made up with uh, Canto Bitch number one, Dom Legapsby. Aww. That's awesome. I know. It's so cool being able to, you know, go to places and, you know, just seeing your friends. Like, you know, going on vacation to a different state or a different city and, oh, there's a Canto bitch, you know. Yeah, that is cool. 
that, I mean, that was definitely the best part of Comic-Con was walking around with Maggie Pappas and, and, and Johnny. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. I love those guys. I was barely on Twitter this weekend, but I made sure to keep up with all your guys's like uh, Comic-Con posts, like, Especially because it was you, Johnny, and then who else took that picture? It was who was in that picture with like you and Johnny, um, and someone else. Mikey was there, and uh, Dom from Star Wars Underworld. Oh yeah, cool people. Oh, and uh, Gerard. Oh, Gerard's from, cool. Um, yeah, he's a nice guy. They're all really nice people. I'm so glad that we have such fun and awesome friends that you know we can go to conventions with and you know like nothing's ever going to beat walking a show floor with michael pappas you know like i can't even think it's a trip man (laughs) oh my god i get so excited about shit i love it i just want to be like on a like a fly on the wall like during like the next like celebration or something or like uh or go back in time and do that. So I just would love to see that. It's like a sitcom or something. <sighs> I also, I managed to not spend much money. Congrats. That's hard. And not come, not come home with too much shit. I didn't come home with any flyers or cards or anything. I was very proud of myself. Flyers or cards? Didn't- because, you know, people are just, like, handing out, like, promo shit at conventions, like, constantly. Oh. And it was nice to, and I just refused to take anything this year. Good for you, standing your ground. Because it all just, like, ends up in my bag, and then I find it, like, a year later and throw it away. But I did get, I got a um, Master of the Universe action figure, and I got a, somebody, one of the artists I found who was doing... You know the the little, like, Valentine's he buys a kid to give it to the whole class? Just the little, like, tear-off rectangles that yeah. they make a billion different things of? This is, they had, like, Rocky Horror Picture Show. They had Twin Peaks, which is what I got. They had, like, Labyrinth ones. And they're, they're really corny, like, puns, like all those cards always were. But the art's really good, and it's cool because it came with three sheets, like identical sheets that have like twelve cards on them. So I can I can keep a, a set and like put it in a frame, and then also like send some to some of my other Twin Peaks people. Hmm, that's cool. But you said puns, Emily. I didn't know you liked puns. I don't like puns. However, that's what Valentine's Day cards are supposed to have. Whenever I think of Valentine's Day cards, I think of that episode of The Simpsons where uh, Lisa gives Ralphie. Yep, I choo choo choose you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good one. I I haven't watched that one in years. Oh, and I got a couple things from Force Friday that just arrived today. Ooh, what'd you get? I got the Offworld Jawa Black Series, and I got the target exclusive carbonized mandalorian black series which is super fucking cool looking 
I'm happy with it. And now I don't need to own another Mandalorian figure because I have that. So unless I like that's a cool. billion percent fall in love with the TV show, that's like I'm one and done on this character. And so I'm glad I got the carbonized one because it's pretty and shiny. Yeah. Pretty and shiny. I'm glad you got that Jawa. Yeah, it's super cool. I also ordered, and these haven't come yet, but I ordered a cu- just a couple of the blind box Funko Mini Mysteries ones. And really, I just want general pride. I mean, there's other ones in there that are cool, like the fin is cool and the Poe is cool, but mostly I want that pride. And so if it's not in either of the two that I got, I'll just go on eBay and actually just buy the figure because there's already a bunch of listings for it. Yeah, those Funko things reminds me of uh, the Funko Porgs that I brought. And a lot of stores, like, it was like you could either get, like, a Finn or a Ray or a BBA or something. I hate gambling with that. Like, even though they were really cheap, like, I think they're only, like, nine ninety nine each. Like, I had to go on, like, this, like, random-ass website to, like, guarantee me that I'm getting porks. Yeah, the nice thing about this run of them is they're all the same odds. Like, they're all 1 out of 12. There's no chase figure. Which should keep the prices relatively low on on the second-hand mm-hmm. market. I do want that pride, though. I know. I hope you find it. I mean, I could do it. It's so it's so dumb. Like it's not. I haven't even seen the fucking character yet. No, it's not dumb because it's something you like, oh, it is and dumb. it's something you're excited yeah, about. But what if? Well, okay, but what if I hate the movie? Well, that's that's a future problem, right? I mean, look, if I end up hating the movie, it's only like a twelve dollars that I've spent on it so far. But that twelve dollars brought you so much joy. It's like when you're eating. I almost said kettle corn, but like the the little corn, candy corn. When you're eating candy corn, you can't go back six months later and eat it because it's probably expired. So you have to eat it now to, you know, so that you, you're happy and stuff. And, you know, maybe in... What? <laughs> what is this metaphor? Maybe in six months you won't like... <laughs> candy corn but all that matters is right now you're eating the candy corn i i feel that's different though because candy corn is something if i'm eating something i'm enjoying it in the minute yeah but it's gonna expire in like six months first of all no it's not it's fucking candy corn that should last till the end of the world it'll be candy corn and cockroaches And also, and that's a sp- it, if an experience that is then gone. Like, I eat the candy corn, and then the candy corn is gone. Whereas this is, I buy a little plastic figure that I might... I mean, I don't know what this character is. We know literally nothing about him, other than it's Richard E. Grant, and he's in the First Order. Very similar to the candy corn scenario. Okay, yes, yeah, super similar. But I guess here's the thing is, is and this is something I forgot about. I bought the Lego uh, Krennic shuttle before the movie came out. 
And that's not, you know, that's not a six ninety nine decision. That's a $75 decision on a movie I hadn't seen yet. Yeah. Luckily, that turned out okay. Yeah, it turned out good. And, you know, maybe buying... Maybe it's good luck to buy toys before the movie. Did you buy anything before or for Solo? Um, I don't think I did because I was super worried about Solo. Hmm. Well, then it's already... It's a good sign that you're buying stuff for this movie. And, yeah, it should be good. Hopefully. Because you're buying the toys. I mean, maybe. I mean, mostly... I, I mean, it's just two little minifigs. And it's just... Ugh, those blind boxes. I mean, I realize I'm a fucking moron for them. But that dopamine rush that you get... It is... It is... It is a form of gambling. It's really bad. Um, I mean, it is, but you're still getting something out of it. Yeah, but it could be... I mean, there's all sorts of characters that I don't want. And I'll get it. Like, what I'm getting is a little piece of plastic. Like, I got one of the, um... Oh, the random... The blind bag little plushy keychains. And I open it up. Like, there's literally only one character I don't want, and it's Kylo. And I got Kylo and immediately just tossed it in the trash. And that was, like, $8. That was just, like, $8 that I just completely fucking threw in the garbage. Damn. Because I look at it, I'm like, okay, Kylo's in there. But odds, the odds of me getting Kylo are, like, I don't know, like, 1 in 15 or something like that. So that's pretty good odds. The only character I didn't want. Anybody else would have been fine. Yeah. So watch me get these blonde things. It'll be two fucking Kylo Ren's. I hope that someone like gets something they don't want and they just sell it on eBay. So that just in case you don't get what you want to, you can go on eBay and buy it. Yeah, there's already... I already have a, an eBay search set up for it. There's already several of them up. And they're selling for go. about six bucks, which is what, what the blind boxes cost. Because again, there's no, there's no rarities in this one. So... We'll see. If I get Pride, awesome. If not, I'll, if not, I'll probably wait and buy it after the movie comes out. But hmm. well, there you go. I think that's a win-win situation. We'll see when they come. I took the Amazon slow shipping so I could get five dollars in Prime Now credit, which means it'll come eventually. That's interesting. Five dollars credit? Yeah, for the like the same day delivery stuff that they do. Hmm. They do they do that like if you have an Amazon Prime account that often pops up. Sometimes it'll be a one dollar digital credit if you choose the slow shipping instead of the two day free shipping. But sometimes it'll be five dollar prime now. I I'm happier when it's the one dollar digital thing because I use that for Kindle books, but Five's a big number. That's five books. Well, I don't know. How much are books? M more than a dollar. Some are a dollar. Yes, some are a dollar. Most are not a dollar. Part of me is like, that's a shame. But another part of me is like, I understand people 
worked so hard, put time, effort, and money into writing. So yeah, I'm glad then. Yeah, and if I'm you know if I'm, it's a book that I'm reading for like you know twelve hours or something like that. Yeah, I I don't know how I would like price a book. Like I'm re- I'm uh, I'm watching this like documentary series right now about like starting like a like makeup products or something and it's like okay the palette's gonna be this much and then the eyeshadow pans are gonna be this size and i'm like god like a a lot of thought goes into everything you know yeah yeah so emily tell me yes Brittany. tell me about comic-con okay so, the book panel. Like I said, we actually got a ton of announcements this year. Um, and I'm going to forget something, and I don't feel like looking through my pictures. So, top of my head. First of all, the Rise of Skywalker novelization being written by Ray Carson. She's great. She wrote one of the, uh, the Canto Bite stories. I like her. That's super cool. That's awesome. I read that and I was really happy. Yeah, I like her a lot. Very excited for that. Definitely going to read that book. Looking forward to it. I, I really liked The Last Jedi novelization. I, I thought Jason Fry did a great job. I mean, that opening prologue of Luke's dream of his alternate life is one of the best things I've read in a Star Wars book. Beautiful. But I think Ray Carson's going to knock it out of the park. I hope so. Um, In terms of the comics, they're doing this thing where, you know, they've been doing stuff between A New Hope and Empire. That's where the current run is across the books. I mean, besides, you know, the Mike Poe Dameron and stuff like that, obviously. But in the main book, that's the timeline. And that's coming to an end on episode, I mean, on issue 75 and then they are relaunching in January, picking up directly after Empire. Like, it opens with panels of Luke's hand falling. Wow. And that sounded that sounded really good. Um, that's going to be Charles Soule, which I know a lot of people are excited for, on the main book. And from what I was talking about, it sounded some interesting stuff that I hadn't thought of before um, in terms of... Lando because Lando's position there is you know he just sold them out and fucked Han over but he also has nowhere to go now and he's sort of with the rebels out of having nowhere else to go and they all hate him and I hadn't hadn't thought of that piece before because you know, we when we are watching the movies, there, there's that huge time gap, and then it's okay. Lando's cool now. They're going to be angry with him for a little bit, and then it'll be fine. I, I'm hoping we get to spend some time from him, his perspective, and sort of see his guilt and stuff. And what also sounded interesting again? Okay, so they're also relaunching the Vader series, and I get the people are like, oh my god, another Vader book, seriously, but. This is Greg Pak, and he was talking about 
and it actually made me the first time I've actually been interested to pick up a Vader comic because it is following Vader right after he told Luke that he's his father and was rebuffed by him. Wow. So it's Vader basically telling the Empire the Emperor to fuck off for a bit while he goes off and deals with this on his own. And the fact that his son's alive and he's like tracking down the people who kept that from him and also angry at the way Luke was raised because, you know, Luke told him to fuck off. So in, in Vader's eyes, Luke is, is weak and he wants to find the people responsible for that. Well, I don't know who's going to break the news to him that he's killed all of the people who have had made Luke the person. Yeah, but I, I think there's, there you know, in terms of who, who knows what was happening and stuff, I think we might maybe find out some stuff. And I'll, I think it'll just be the journey of that. That's really cool. And then... Oh, there's a anthology of Clone Wars era short stories. Dang! Finally, some Clone Wars stuff. Including a Ventress story, which is obviously the reason I care about this. Um, they didn't, at least not at the panel, they didn't say anything else about what would be in this book. I'm I'm assuming some Ahsoka stuff and then like maybe a Rack story... Who knows? But Venture Short Story. Very exciting. Hmm. And then, you know, there was this couple of, of cute looking picture books and things like that. And the big announcement in terms of excitement in the room, which I personally don't really give a shit about, but it was cool to see everybody get excited. And that is there's going to be another... Thrawn trilogy and that's called uh, Thrawn like, Ascendancy I think and that's going to be sort of it sounded from the brief description we got really heavy on the Chiss and sort of the origins of Thrawn how do you feel about this I mean I'm not going to read them because I don't really like Zahn's writing and I feel like Zahn is a little too enamored of his own character hmm. uh, I, I think Thrawn is a character I could really like if he was written by somebody who was willing to beat him up a little bit more and make him a little more flawed I feel like Thrawn is always written as the smartest guy in the room who's always got the crazy insane plans and always got the the read on every other character and I find that to be dull. I'm I'm happy for a smart, politically savvy character, but I think I think it's it's too much look how awesome Thrawn is. Yeah, I mean, good for all the people that 
love Thrawn and get more Thrawn stuff. Because, I mean, the only time we've ever seen Thrawn is in Rebels. But, I don't know. Just, uh, I'm not a big book reader anyways. But, uh, I just wish sometimes that we'd get, like, more material. Like, new ma- new material, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do too. I'm hoping, you know, when we get into some, maybe... Maybe we can get some stuff off of Mandalorian or Cassian that that opens up some of the new characters we're going to get on those shows. Yeah. That gives us a jumping off point. But who knows? It's... I mean, that's the problem with Star Wars is they really like the stuff that already works. That's true. I mean, it's not on her, like, you know, Alphabet Squadron. I, I didn't, I couldn't really get into Alphabet Squadron, but that that's all new characters, and that's a trilogy. And I know some people who are really into those books and really like those characters, so that's, I think that's encouraging, even though it is, you know, set in the time we already know. It is, like, entire, like the main characters are all new. Yeah. Oh, and the other book was that, you know, they did that, George Mann did the Myths and Legends one, was like the in-universe sort of like folklore fairy tale book. Yeah. They're doing one, and it's not coming out until next Halloween, because obviously, you know, they do like gorgeous paintings and and full color artwork for those, but it's called Dark Legends. So it's going in like the spookier, like dark art fairy tales. Nice. Yeah. How much did you enjoy the books panel? I re- it was a really good panel. Um, I think even even the like the authors whose whose stuff I haven't particularly liked. It's really interesting to hear their perspective, and hear them talk. Like um, Kevin Scott was there. He's the one who wrote the Dooku audiobook, and I didn't particularly like that book, but I liked him. And it makes me want to pick up some of his other stuff. Like, he's just done some little, like, fun stuff here and there. And he just seems like a cool dude. That's good. Well, I'm glad it was great. I love going to those panels where you go into it and you're not really sure how you're going to feel, but you come out of it and with a bunch of awesome new information. Yeah, it was really... I was I was not expecting anything. In terms of, of news. I mean, maybe an announcement on who's doing the novelization. But. Yeah. Like I said before, you know, like in terms of their their publishing schedule, it's just never worked out for, for New York Comic Con before. So that was pretty rad. That's awesome. How many days did you uh, go to the convention? I was just there Friday and Saturday. That's that's about as much as I can handle. Yeah, that's a perfect amount of time. Like, I think with Celebration this year, or next year, I'm going to allow myself to miss one day fully. Of, even though I bought, like, the ticket, like, I don't need to be there three or four days or however long. Because I know, you know, last year... Not last year. God, last... I don't know. April. It April. It's overwhelming. And I don't need... You know, like, maybe I'm going to try to s- 
do it in sections like not do this section until day two or something you know like I just I, I felt like I did too much too fast and yeah that might be a thing where if there's not a panel I want to see that day I just don't go yeah but who yeah. knows yeah I mean the the Star Wars landscape will be very different by next August exactly and you know, Emily, like if you if you text me saying, hey, I'm going to go to downtown Disney and eat something, I will be running over there to meet you because that's my weakness is downtown Disney and Disney, even though Star Wars is like right there. Disney, that's my weakness. I'm so excited for everyone to go to Celebration and do like Disney things ish. That's going to be fun. So what else did you do at the convention? I was just a lot of walking around, looking at things. And then Saturday night, we headed out of the con at like five and just told up in a bar. And then some other people came out to meet us. Like Robbo came out. That was cool. Adam Stafford came out. He's a good dude. Um, Art. And his wife. Oh, Art's awesome. Yeah, we just had a really good time. And we just sort of chilled in a side room at this bar and, you know, just talk shit for like six hours. There's nothing like talking shit with your friends. Had a cup of old fashioned, had some really good nachos. Well, we're in the nachos. Just like, you know, regular nacho shit. <coughs> you're in an Irish so you were in an Irish pub and they had nachos. Yeah, I mean it's a fucking bar. They had all sorts of bar food. I know, but like like when I think of like nachos, like I think of like the chips and then like that melted like plastic looking cheese and it is like real these are like homemade tortillas and like real cheese and meat and guacamole oh that still sounds good too though i would love some nachos right now but yeah i'm glad you had fun with everyone it was cool seeing pictures and everything I've, i definitely felt the fomo I, I miss everyone and pappas and johnny we need to get Johnny on. We need to have Pappas on too. Yeah. That would be an interesting. I mean, but Johnny has enough trouble getting Pappas on Pappas' own podcast, so. Yeah, I was I was trying to think if Pappas has ever been on a podcast that's not his own, but then I remember that he's been on the Sith list a couple times. So that's close enough. Speaking of other podcasts, did you listen to the most recent Geek Dudes? Not yet. Do we have another Fuck You, Chris Fresh? No, no. This is actually really good, uh, Chris Fresh, but she was talking at the beginning of their podcast about how fandom entitlement extends to podcast listeners sometimes. Oh? And sort of the people making 
demands or thinking that their listenership entitles them to to someone's someone's time or attention or and sort of the, the balance of I mean like interacting with podcasts of course which we love and we love when people listen to us and let us know that they listen to us and that's all very exciting and good but there, there's definitely people who like cross the line sometimes in terms of like t- dictating what they think your podcast should be I I definitely agree. Like, there are definitely people out there who do more harm than podcasts than they know. You know, it's like they go out and dictate, like, you know, like, what they should be doing or, you know, just. Or, like, who they should be having on or who they shouldn't be having on. and Yeah, it's so interesting. The Like, I have to listen to that entitlement is just such a very interesting thing like especially like podcast form I don't know yeah it's it's because I think podcasts give a and and I I, and I understand this to a certain degree because I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to a lot of of niche podcasts where there's a big okay a tight-knit community around them where podcasts give you a sometimes false sense of intimacy or knowing someone. Hmm. And can make people think that they're more involved or like closer or actually friends with people who are just, you know, they're not friends with. I mean, like there are tons of people who listen to our podcast who I am friends with or people who I've become friends with because they they interact with the podcast but you you see people especially on on some of the bigger podcasts who who think there's a relationship there that there isn't yeah yeah it's definitely you know creating a friendship like through podcasts you know like for instance you know, I started calling it the Steel Show, mm-hmm. and then I w- started going to his shows, and you know, I went from being a fan of his work, a fan of you know the hard dedication that he puts into everything, to a friend. Yeah, and that's it's such an interesting concept, and it's something that I I took seriously. You know, like. Because I'm not just going to assume, oh, this person's, like, my friend because I listen to them every day. It's like, no. Like, I'm I'm going to treat this friendship like I treat any other friendship. Not only, you know, because, like, we met in a very interesting way. But because, I don't know. I just feel like that's, like, a proper thing to do with your friends is, you know, to. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. But it, it makes me think a lot about, you know, how people could listen to you or me and come up to us and be like oh I know everything about you and it's like you don't you know like you don't know what I ate yesterday for dinner like (laughs) you don't know what my food weakness is you know like you don't know what's in my fridge you're you know (laughs) all of these are food related for you 
Yeah, because I'm. I was, uh, I was warmed with work today so much that I looked at the clock and it was three o'clock and I realized I forgot to eat lunch. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been thinking about food. I think since you were talking about those nachos, I just want to like chow down on something. But yeah, anyways. Yeah, like, you know, it's like starting a relationship, you know, like go slow. Like if you're listening to a podcast and like, I don't know. I don't know what the proper. Well, I don't know. It's the same thing as being a fan of everything else. Like, I mean, especially because there's not, I mean, with something where you're not even having a Patreon or anything like that, you're never entitled to anything more than the the producer puts out it whether whether it's a movie or or a or a book or a podcast yeah like i'm I'm trying to think of like a good example and i, I have one so I, I lately i've been giving a raj a lot of shit because um he always talks when he, they talk about like the star wars news and every now and then he's like oh well then maybe ahsoka is gonna show up and like finally the other day i'm like so do you like really like ahsoka because i I was just telling him how funny it is that he does that but that's not something i would have done like two years ago while listening you know like i wouldn't just like hey raj why are you mentioning ahsoka so much like i'm mentioning that to raj because you know he's one of my friends and basically family now (laughs) so well we had a thing uh and this happened on 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 Twitter a few weeks ago now, and I won't I won't mention the podcast, but somebody had listened to, and in this case it was a Patreon episode, but but still the form on this was really bad, which was to complain about the 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 guest host to to the podcaster. And, uh, it, which is insane to me. I mean, if I don't like a guest that somebody has on their podcast, I will, I'll turn that podcast episode off. But I'm not going to m- message the, especially on in public Twitter. Like, maybe if somebody's super problematic and I'm, like, really am friends with somebody. Like, if it was on, like, I'm just going to pick one. If it was on the bad motivators. And they've never had a guest who, like, offended me. But if they had a guest on who I thought, hey, that's a bad person, what are you going, like, what are you thinking? I might reach out to Eric, like, on, on like, text message. and be like, hey, what's going on here? But it was just somebody I found annoying. I wouldn't be like, fuck you guys for having this dude on. Because that's crazy. Especially because... When you're talking about this level of podcasting, most of the people who are having guests on are having guests on because they're friends with them. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah, so to complain about that is is so rude on a couple of different levels. People just don't have like fucking manners, like. And it's awful, like, especially, like, you know, we're putting out content, like, we are taking time out of our days to, you know, do this, hang out, you know, like, I, 
you know, sit here and I talk to you and it's a great time and someone taking that good time of ours and like critiquing it and telling us, you know, what to do or what to say or who to have on. Like, I just feel like it's too much. Like, yeah. you know, maybe like it, if they ask that in a nice way, be like, hey, you know, I think you should have this person on, you know, you guys kind of talk about the same stuff, but maybe i don't know i'm yeah, very if, it, it, if it's like a you know i this is somebody who has the same sort of vibe you guys i don't know if you know them maybe you should check them out but some people get sort of like passively aggressive really um demanding on that and it's weird but hey i'm also you know listening to podcasts is a time commitment and i'm happy for anybody who gives their time up to listen to us and and who likes us and we haven't had anybody super out of line. We've had a couple of annoying things here and there. But for the most part, it's great. And again, like when it, if it's something where we've fucked up, I'm happy for them to email us. Do you like, hey, I don't know if, you know, again, hopefully at this point, if you're listening to us, you know us enough to know that it's probably coming from from ignorance or misspeaking more than any harmful intent. And so I'd hope you could just pull us aside through email and be like, I don't know if you guys thought about this, but this is a fucked up thing to say. And here's why. Like, I'm fine with that. I, I want to be told if we screw up in that way, because that's how you become a better person. Yeah. Like I am the first person to like, you know, admit that, you know, I'm wrong or I did something wrong. Like, I know, like, a couple months ago, like, I, I said something dumb and, and someone reached out to us. And, you know, I realized, I'm like, I fucked up. And, you know, I I personally messaged them. I'm like, hey, I'm sorry I said this. I was ignorant. I was stupid. Thank you for calling me out. I'm sorry. Probably said I'm sorry, like, 18 times <laughs> because who am I? But I don't know. Like... I feel like that's why I worry sometimes about like offending people or, you know, especially on this podcast is because there's people out there like, like those people that, you know, Chris Fresh and the geek dudes were talking about. And that affects me sometimes, even though it shouldn't like it not really much anymore, but it does. And that's shitty. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And I, the, instant rage I go to when I feel like somebody has done something against one of my friends is enormous. Yeah. Like way more than if anybody like says anything about our podcast. Like if somebody says anything to me, like don't get me wrong, I'm probably going to get pissed off, but not, not in the same way that if somebody like talks shit about to somebody I care about. Trust me, I, I've I've seen Emily in those replies. <laughs> like not even like a minute after it's been said, oh, we're just bam, em- there's Emily, and, uh, and then of course I'm texting because I'm like, I need the tea. What's what's going on here? Like, what do I need to get filled in? And you know, yeah, yeah, it's probably a bit of a problem. No, I mean, it just shows your loyalty to your friends and that, you know, when someone says something out of line, like, you're going to call them out. Like, should you maybe give yourself, like, you know, a minute sometimes to collect your thoughts? <laughs> maybe. Nope. 
<laughs> no, because that would that would cut into my yelling at people time. I'm the same way, but like I'm like I'm just too honest. Like I can never keep anything. Like like obviously, if it's like you know, don't don't tell anyone. Like yeah, like then. But if it's like something happens and it's like you know I'm mad or upset, like. I can't physically hold it in. Like I have to tell the person like, Hey, I'm upset because of this because it's just going to murder me inside. So, but I'm just not like that. on like Twitter. Like if says someone says something like really stupid on Twitter, like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to call it out, but maybe one day I will like, we, we have to mark it on the calendar the day that I like go after someone on Twitter or like, Oh man, I can't wait to see it. That even like, oh God, on celebration when I posted the video of us meeting, someone was like, oh, that girl has me blocked. And I was like, she's the greatest person ever. <laughs> I still don't know who the fuck that person is or why I blocked them. I block people for all sorts of reasons. It's hard to know. Yeah. Huh, well, I guess this is a new segment called okay job Chris Fresh <laughs> uh, I fucking love Chris so much he knows that yeah I do too I mean he's a monster obviously <sighs> yeah I mean you can you can love monsters but like only like a select few of them because you know you don't know like what those monsters can do like monsters could like fucking eat you or something you know like you can't be <laughs> friends with fucking alligators you know Wise words, Brittany. Thank you. Can't be friends with alligators. No, you can't. Like, you could be friends with, like, dogs and cats. But, like, alligators, like, that's fucking dangerous. Even if they get all their teeth, like, removed. Like, this still is, like, dangerous. They can swallow you. Do you know how fast they can swallow you, What the shit? Who's taking all the teeth out of an alligator? That's a fucked up thing to do. I don't know. People do that with, with animals. Like, they declaw cats. Like, my neighbors used to declaw their cats, and it was, like, the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I don't like it. It's bad, but, I mean, who's, who's like, what are are these alligators? I don't know. Is that a thing people do? That seems weird. I have no idea. I, I think so, because, I mean, sometimes, like, dogs, like, their teeth get bad, so, like, they have to remove their teeth, so, like, maybe alligators, yeah. like, maybe the alligator doctor, like with their pet alli- maybe the alligator doctor, you know, does an examination on the alligator and, like, goes to the vet person and, you know, does that doctor thing where they, like, look down at their nose and they're like, we have to do it, we, we have to take take away all the teeth. But in this situation, it sounds like that alligator is somebody's friend. Because otherwise, why is the alligator dentist being called in at all? Because the alligator's not calling the alligator doctor. Well, the zookeeper is calling the the doctor. And there's a person that is not the zookeeper or can be the zookeeper that is the alligator's friend. Okay, so don't be friends with an alligator unless you're the zookeeper. Yes. So, okay, got it. if you want to become a zookeeper, know that one day you might accidentally fall into a friendship with an alligator, and you should be prepared. I don't. I don't. I have no idea what's going on anymore. Oh, <sighs> me neither. But that's the fun of it, right? 
hey, we might get a trailer next week. I thought it was this week, so I'm kind of annoyed. But I'm excited because trailers. And the first episode of Resistance was on, which you didn't watch because you fucking suck. I do, but if you would have worn my shoes this weekend, you would have known. No, I'm, I'm kidding, but yeah. It's shit's 20 been, fucking minutes. Sh- Emily, shit's been rough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I admit, I, I could have watched it, though, but I fucked up. Anyways, how was it? Tell me tell me everything. Like, from like start to finish. Well, first of all, no, because I don't have any notes, and I don't really remember much of all of it, but... <sighs> All right, I will say there is way too much Kaz slapstick. Like, it's really, there's a lot of it in this episode. Um, So, you know, the, what is the place called? The ship, the station, the Colossus, there we go, has, has made the jump. They actually are fairly close to Dakar where they want to be, but their communication system doesn't work. And also, the gravity keeps turning off. Oh, that's delightful. So there's lots of Kaz being clumsy in zero gravity. Um, We get a new, I guess, I don't know if you call it a set, if it's on an animated show. But we get a new location anyway, and that is the command bridge of the Colossus, which is pretty fucking cool. It's a little bit Deep Space Nine looking. I liked it. Um, And Kaz and... Torah and CB23 and Nico go to Niku go to try to fix the gravity and they notice that all the I can't remember the species name but the turtle dudes you know the turtle dudes the Jim yeah. Henson looking ones they're all hiding in their shells which Niku says they do when they're in, when they sense danger oh no and then we see like this glowing red light in this dark room and CB23 goes off to try to do something and doesn't come back. And so they send Niku to go try to find CB and he finds CB floating around, turned off and her head is separated from her little ball. And then he gets attacked and it is the little... um. The First Order droid. Oh, shit. Whose name is MB. And MB actually does stand for Murderball. I mean, not in the show, but that's why they... that's It came as a joke and then became his official designation. And it is MB-13. And you get what is actually pretty cool. And again, this is broken up by a lot of Kaz, you know, sort of flailing around being ridiculous. But I, I kind of get what they were doing here, which is they're undercutting the scariness of MB-13. Because MB-13 is like straight up Jason Voorhees in this mo- in this episode. Because he's just sort of like, at first you don't know what's attacking people. You just see people sort of, like you get CB-23 taken out, and then you get Niku taken out. And then there's just this glowing red thing. And then it's fucking Jason Voorhees droid, like attacking them. <laughs> and then he like tries to override the community because they get the transmit um like the transmitters working again and he tries to override it to send 
a message to the First Order. So then it's them, like, trying to stop him and take him out, which obviously they, they successfully do when he gets injected into space. And then we get a little bit with Tam back on the First Order side, and you get... What's the woman's name? The First Order woman? Do you know her name? No, I fail. Okay, I can't remember it, but the one who, you know, the one who brought Tam in. And, yeah. and you know, she, there's this, this whole thing of, you know, you're, you, sure, this is what you want. Are you going to be a Goyle? After all, these people were your friends. And at the end of the episode, so here, okay, here's a dumb thing. And here's why Kaz is stupid, which is he decides he's got to send Tam a message to try to apologize and explain. And it's like, first of all, dude, that seems incredibly dangerous both for you and for her. Because who only knows who's going to, like, if it was intercepted, and if they intercepted it, how, like, they would interpret it and maybe think that she's a spy or some shit like that, and also you're endangering the entire Colossus sending this if they have some way to track it that you don't know about. But, you know, it's, it's, he's determined this is the right thing to do. And he, he sends a message and like to her personal communicator. And you see her, she's been, you know, assigned a uniform and quarters. And she's going to be a peckin' pilot now. And so she starts to play the message and she hears it from Kaz and is just apologizing. And she turns it off and then goes to her locker and gets the, the TIE fighter helmet and, and puts it on. And there's this like dramatic chord and that's where the episode ends. Good for her. Yeah, I kind of feel like, yeah. I mean, we know that they're the bad guys. But they they did have Tam reiterate here when she's talking to the one whose name I can't remember. And I'm not going to bother to look up because we're a really great Star Wars podcast. Um, where she's like, you know, my friends lied to me about who they were and what they were doing. And as far as I can tell, what the First Order cares about is the security of the galaxy. Just Kaz is awful. Like, I think, you know, even though Leia told him to keep that from everyone, like, don't tell anyone that you're a spy. Like, he found such, like, a close-knit of friends, you know, that became family. I mean, like, they would help each other. They were there for each other. And, you know, especially knowing that Tam had reservations about Kaz and, you know, about the resistance, you know, because she grew up with a family that was very, like, pro-Empire and pro, you know, now pro-First Order. So it sucks that she's on, you know, the side that kills billions of people, but... But you can't blame her. About it. She doesn't know about any of that. She doesn't. And that's why it's so easy for me to take her side on this because I just can't stand Kaz. And from you telling me that just basically the whole episode was just him just being goofy and, oh, look, like, no gravity. like Yeah, it's annoying. And I, I just need them to take it down. Even, like, 25% would be good. And that's what I enjoyed about the last episodes of that of the first season is they they stepped away from that a bunch, 
And there, there are some good moments here. There's one when he's he's talking to to uh, Captain Doza, and a character I really like. I think I think Tora's dad's awesome, and he's he's you know one of the things because you know, Kaz is what can we do to help? Because you know the station's going through all sorts of shit. It wasn't you know particularly meant to take this sort of jump. Everything's broken, and. and and Doza has this moment where he's like, this is the one thing I didn't want is I I lived through this once. I lived through this sort of war once before. I didn't want the next generation to have to do that. And man, do I want to know more about that character, especially since they found that Imperial uniform that he used to have. Yeah. And And that's a nice moment. And again, I, you, you, there's they do acknowledge, although it's very brief, that Kaz doesn't even know if his family's alive at this point, since he, you know, saw the Hosnian system get exploded. And that's another thing, Kaz is. I still, it's still when he's trying to convince Tam at the end of that season. Why the first thing out of his mouth isn't they just destroyed an entire star system? I think like he never comes up. That maybe, maybe would have made her hesitate a little. Uh, I just wish things were easier. I just wish, you know, it was easy to tell your friends that, hey, the people that you're joining just killed millions of people. You know, like maybe it was this sense of shock. Like I'm trying to see it as like a, you know, if this was real life thing, but I don't know. Like, I just don't think that there's anyone as Kaz like in real life. I don't know. I, I have hope in, I'm hesitant to get attached to, you know, characters from the show too much because I'm afraid that, you know, the things I want to figure out most about, I'm not going to. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's probably some truth to that. Um, I don't know. I mean, it is it is a kid's show and the characters I'm interested in are are not the main characters. Um, actually, no, that's true. I'm interested in everybody but Kaz. That's fair. I agree. Well, I hope next week's episode is better. I'll make sure to watch it. Or else ugh, I'm fired. So it's not bad. It's just it's like that slapstick stuff is so one note that it gets it really makes the episode drag when they're pushing that hard. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Well, anything else you would like to talk about today? Oh, we should probably do some email. Okay. Since we since we didn't read Robbie's last week. Perfect. Okay, do you want me to read it? Sure. All right, we have an email from our friend Robbie. Um, all the Star Wars news from my perspective... Oh my god, so much Star Wars news. Hello, Canto Biters. I hope you guys are doing well. 
It's ironic. After I just said there would be a lack of Star Wars news, we got so much Star Wars news. So here's me trying to share my thoughts about all of it. So here we go. I'm going to sort of take this point by point, I think. Yeah. I think the lack of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge attendance is due to multi multitude of factors. Like not letting people use their season passes, but also not completing all of their rides before opening. Who wants to visit a theme park that's going to be finished soon, but not yet? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we'll see what happens when... Um, watch me call it opens, but... I was talking to my sister yesterday about this because she used to work for Disney and I sincerely asked her, I'm like, do you think that Galaxy's Edge is failing? And she told me, she's like, well, if you think about it, that whole Pandora land in, um, in Animal Kingdom at uh, the Walt Disney World opened a couple years ago and still those wait times are like five, four hours long and Galaxy's Edge isn't. So, I don't know. I personally don't think Galaxy's Edge is failing. I just, it's just, it's so expensive. And, you know, with the annual pass thing, like, yeah, that really fucking sucks. That, you know, we don't get as much days anymore. And that the pass above that is almost five $600. Well, people don't have that money. And it's showing because park attendance is getting lower. People are losing their jobs. People are getting less hours. That's really shitty. Something should be done. Anyways, on to the next part. I love that Deborah Chow is getting to direct Kenobi episodes and that and that the diversity behind the camera is increasing at on TV. Yes, agree. Yeah. Um when we talked about that last week. Uh I'm I'm I think that's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to see what she does and hopefully that is eventually gonna kick to the films as well. Okay, on to the next point. I'm going to guess you guys are bummed out that Kevin Feige is making a Star Wars movie. He certainly doesn't have the level of prestige or experience that Kathleen Kennedy has. But I would argue that Marvel movies have gotten progressively better, so it's not necessarily a bad thing. And whether or not we like it, Marvel movies have changed the way blockbuster movies are made. Also, who's to say we can get creators like Takia Waititi or Ryan Cooler making big blockbusters if Feige hadn't select them, or that we'd even get Star Wars spinoffs? Oh, and this continues with that. Oh. However, he's been adapting comic book storylines where Star Wars is at a frustrating point of repeating things or telling new stories while risking the wrath of fans and far too often doing the former, in my opinion. Also, I'm a little sick of the narrative. Just because Kathleen Kennedy is a woman doesn't mean she's going to stand up for the disenfranchised creators while all along only hiring Caucasian men to write and direct movies. So do I like this development or not? The answer is no, but they could change my mind. I think it undercuts Kennedy's authority to bring in another producer at her level, and who knows how much of a collaboration this film will be, as it seems to undermine one of the few big women leaders of the film franchises. Dude, Robbie, what do you do for a living? Like, you write so beautifully, and just, you get your point across, like, I'm so curious. Like, I wonder if she, like, writes... No idea what Rabia does. Oh my god. I I'd, I'd love to know if that's okay. Um uh, okay. So do you want to discuss this cuz I think this is the end of this um paragraph. 
do you want to discuss how we feel? I mean, we already did about Kevin Feige, but I mean, she brings up some good points that without Feige, you know, we get, we don't have Watiti or Ryan Cooler, you know, like he's such a young director and he did such a badass movie, you know, like we're getting to know all these wonderful directors and people like through Kevin Feige. Yeah. Um, like it's one of the reasons I'm just, I I'm trying to withhold judgment on this until we know who's actually making the movie. Yeah. Uh, Cause that makes, that makes a, a, a big difference. I like Robbie, I did sort of have that pause of, of what that, the optics on that in terms of, 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 of Kennedy. Um, I, look, I don't. I don't think. I think it's ridiculous. The whole a billion times we've heard the rumors that Kathleen Kennedy is secretly fired or whatever. But that definitely flared up again. When the when the foggy news was announced, but it is something we were. I was talking about this weekend a little bit when we were actually like talking about Star Wars when we were hanging out. Um, I can't remember. I think it was maybe it was Michael Pappas. I don't. I don't quite remember. But somebody was talking about the fact that, and I can, fuck, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Jesus. Oh, that producing, producing a movie and even, and even being in, in, in charge of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is very different than being the head of Lucasfilm. So you get all these, these fanboys, you know, who are. Oh, they need to ca- they need to fire Kathleen and, and and replace her with Kevin Feige, and like that's that's a very different job, dude. That involves incredibly different skill sets and different things. In terms of the way they're, you well the, the really the way the universes are set up, and and what it means to be a Star Wars movie versus a Marvel movie, um. You know, I also I also think Robbie has a good point, which is this is something I've I've talked about before. But the idea that Kathleen Kennedy has some sort of incredible quote unquote woke social justice warrior agenda, which is hilarious if you actually look at the people that they've hired and it's not reflected in any of that. So it's such an insane accusation to make. I mean, on, on several levels, first of all, the idea that, you know, looking to hire diverse people would be a bad thing, but also she's just obviously not doing it. I love how, like, their argument that Kathleen Kennedy is a social justice warrior is because she wore a shirt once that said the force is female. Yeah, that's basically it. It's the only reason why. Well, also because there's a girl in Star Wars, and obviously that's, oh, and a, you know, and, and a black man, so obviously that's. <sighs> Anyways, okay. Uh, second, secondly, to me, Star Wars and Marvel are like the Pixar and Disney animation of sci-fi and fantasy. I like them both. I think both of them have amazing films in their repertoire and both contain movies I will watch and repeat. 
but I like them separate. And if you've read the book Creativity Inc. by uh, Ed Catmule, which I highly recommend, you know that while both studios make animated movies, they had different structures and it didn't always yield the best results as now Disney has decided that they will be run separately again. I don't want Star Wars to be like Marvel or Marvel to be like Star Wars. I worry as Disney acquires more and more IP that we're just going to get a homogeneous pile of content. So let's be cautiously optimistic for the future. Remember, the force will be with you always. Also, hashtag where's Rose? Because the lack of Rose content is alarming to say the least. Okay, so this email was sent um, a couple weeks ago. And that was the first time I had seen the hashtag where's Rose. And okay, I'm, I'm going to be blatantly honest. At first, I saw like the where's Rose stuff. And I was like, I don't know. I don't think that we should be worried. Like we know that she's in the movie. Everything's all good. And I kept seeing it pop up in my feed this week. And I'm like, what's going on? And I, you know, without forming an opinion of my own before gathering the information, I gathered information on it. And so the biggest thing is apparently for Force Friday, there was supposed to be this rebel shirt with Rose on it. And that was one of the things he advertised for Force Friday or something on websites. I'm not sure if it was the official website, but it was on websites. I saw it and they put the shirt in the stores and they took Rose off of it. Yeah, yeah, that's the big issue that I've seen with this. It's not as simple as they're not being merchandise for Rose. It looks as if she was erased from some of the merchandise and some of the artwork. And that is a very different thing than just not making stuff, which, don't be wrong, would already be bad. But you could argue that not making merch is an oversight. Again, one they shouldn't be making, but, you know, whatever. Whereas taking somebody off of merch and off of art that already existed requires a conscious decision. I just, I, I don't get it. I, I don't think this has ever happened in Star Wars before where someone is taken off of merch. Like, I don't want to speak for the prequel stuff, but I guarantee you that, you know, maybe this happened like, you know, after episode one that everyone's like, great, like, you know, we're going to create all the Jar Jar merch. And then like, you know, a lot of people saw the movie and a lot of people didn't like Jar Jar. So they're like, never mind, let's ax that. But to preview stuff with Rose in it and then to take her out of it, like that's so fucked up. I don't get that. Like, I know that's, I don't even know what it is. And it's catering to those assholes that went on her Wikipedia page and said horribly racist things. Yeah, the people who too chased Colin Tran off of social media. Like, this is catering to them. Those aren't Star Wars fans. Those are just dicks. I don't know. I... 
it's a character. She's she's a character in a very well respected and very in a very big franchise and she should be treated with respect and it's shitty that after a year and a half, two years now of you know, it's still not over and it's stupid. It's really sad. And she's an extremely important character in terms of the themes of Star Wars. I mean, she's the one who gives us this line, you know, where it's not about about fighting what you hate, it's about saving what you love. And I don't know, it's 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 really fucking shitty and I've seen a lot I've seen quite a few people very upset about Twitter on it and I I absolutely do not blame them I, I can't imagine how hurtful it would be if you're an Asian woman who finally sees an Asian woman in Star Wars and then not only gets this like disgusting fan backlash but then has like Star Wars itself capitulate to that which whatever whatever the story is whatever the reasons might be uh, the, the look is the caving to racist assholes yeah. And I, I mean, that's, I, I, I don't know. I can't, I, I can't, again, I, my, my heart goes out to people who really, who fell in love with that character and saw themselves on screen and then have that taken away is, it, it's, it's fucking disgusting. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. And I hate begging the question, like, whether or not we think that Rose is going to be, like, a big part in this movie. But I feel like seeing now, like, how much, like, she's getting removed from merch. And, you know, she's not really in much merch. Like, I don't think she is. And I'm sad for all those people that are going to be so disappointed that, you know, a big character that we got to know more about. Then, like, what the fuck, JJ? Why do you say that, that she's the the thing that you're most grateful to Ryan for. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's, it's extremely worrying. And, and I don't know, it just did the whole thing left a very bad taste in my mouth. And I, the fact that, that they haven't gotten out in front of it and, and given any sort of, of explanation or, or anything like that is, uh, not reassuring. I just don't know why JJ would say something like that. Like if he truly didn't mean it, like if he thinks that this character is a, you know, is we're so thankful to have her here, then put her in merch. I mean, I know he's not in charge of merch, but, but still like talk about it. You know, I know Ryan would, I'm, I'm surprised Ryan hasn't yet. Well, Ryan's still making movies for them supposedly. So I don't know. We'll see. But it fucking sucks. Um, anyway, thank you for your email, Rabia. Yeah, thank you. Sorry it took us so long to read it. 
yeah, we're really bad about that sometimes. So um, let's let's get to the other one we got, which was from Colton, who's written in before. And this was entitled Twitter Spats. Um, yeah, because, well, we talked about it some this week, but last week, I was if you didn't listen, um, I was, we started out the episode with me talking about how I had just been yelling at people on Twitter and my tendency to do that. It's a recurring theme on our show. Anyway, howdy, Canto Biters. Hope you all are doing well. I want to talk a bit about Twitter, seeing as Emily gets into fights all the time, and those fights sometimes bleed over into the pot. Emily, keep on fighting those Twitter fights. I got off Twitter a few weeks ago to stay spoiler-free for episode 9, but even when I was on the app, I felt like I was missing out on something vital to the Twitterverse. In hindsight, I feel like I was missing out on those mindless Twitter fights over big things and small that somehow all fall under the umbrella of Star Wars. As long as the fights don't turn into prolonged, targeted harassment, I really can't see any objective reason to avoid them. I stayed out of them. Because, probably like Brit, I'm not a fan of conflict. But if you feel compelled <laughs> to go into a war with the trolls and the assholes out there, good for you. Anyways, I hope that New York Comic Con was a good time. And I'm looking forward to the trailer and tickets going on sale soon. Cheers, Colton. Aw, uh, thank you, buddy. I mean, <sighs> like I, I've said this before, is, is sometimes I'm, I'm looking for a fight. And, and, and sometimes it's just... <sighs> bad impulse control on my part because it's I don't know I'm somebody who doesn't know how to deal with people being wrong or or how to deal with what I feel like is injustice even when it's a small or dumb thing and also, I have a really fucking quick temper. So some of the fights I get into, I think, are probably good and right. And some of them are probably just things I could ignore. I can't wait to get Twitter argument lessons from Emily one day. Like, I don't know. I I love that about you, that you're ready to, you know, fight for what you, you believe and for what you... you you know, if you see something wrong, then fight for it. Like, I wish sometimes that that's something I was better at. You know, especially if it's, like, something against my friends. But, I don't know. I'm just glad you're the way you are. Because Aww. there's no one here like Emily Lind. Except for <laughs> Emily Lind. Yay, that's probably good. Well, Emily, where can we find you and the podcast on social media? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at EFLind if you want to see me fighting people. Um, you can also find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CantoBitePod. You can email us, CantoBitePod at gmail.com. Send us, you know, your thoughts on Star Wars. We're going to get a trailer soon. Send us your thoughts on that. Send us your thought on how Resistance is going. Uh, send us Fuck, Mary Kills or people to do Bedwatch on. Uh, Bedwatch is where we pick a character from Star Wars and talk about what we think they'd be like in bed. It's a ridiculous segment, but I'd like to get back to doing it. So I think we still have a list somewhere. But send us characters to talk about there. Uh, Brittany, where are you on the social medias? I am on Instagram as Brittany the Ginger. 
Anyways, thank you everyone for listening. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Here we go. Yo, 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 and away we go It's time to serenade my girl Lindo Sorry the ladies where I had to say no But if I'm cheating on Serena, it's on Canto No shame in the game Make even Rogue One seem tame But I blame it on Brit with a ginger main main Yeah, that's fire Love on the rocks leaves the love on my socks Lindo fanfic leaves y'all shocked Especially when y'all truly whips out his cock Canto bite Episode 100 Hey yo, I'm back, no fulcrum this time I'm on a flight to the bay and I'm writing some rhymes My top three running through my head, you know So I had to come correct when they hit the hundo My girls E and B deserve congratulations Our adulation for the weekly creation My last celebration was all about them But this time I gotta drop lines for our friends This is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches, all the canto bitches This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches Throw your hands up, bitches on my Canto bitches Start off with my Aussies Catherine's a sweet one Brought cash into lunch With Canto bitch number one Josh made it a team And had bourbon and cornflakes The kind of ice cream That made him show me his old face Got to meet Turbo And throw back some brew Fish tacos in San Fran You know we approve Rebecca from Perth I haven't met you yet Last shout to Frushy Dude I didn't forget This is for the bitches Strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches All the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches Only for the bitches Throw your hands up bitches all my canto bitches Rabia and Adele often email the show I cut a track on them trolls with Johnny Grosso Jesse McGee busted a rap for me Met her and horse be it scum and villainy King Tom Death Watch The most regal of fathers Got to behold the luscious locks of Strata Shouted Rusty last time so I shout a rush too You know the list ain't complete without lesson boo This is for the bitches Strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches All the canto bitches This one's for my bitches Only for the bitches Throw your hands up bitches all my canto bitches Now if I didn't say your name Don't feel no shame You love the fun The games And refresher bangs Hang on every word Of Lindo's fanfic Where she describes Every vein in Mendo's dick Spread the word Maybe buy a t-shirt I don't know Maybe ask the girls If Yaddle squirts Take your CBD Send in your top three, And you'll always be A bitch like me Get him Eric